Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Ear Fuel Podcast. As always, I'm Joel Freemark, and you can find me talking music all the time at facebook.com slash thedailyguru and instagram.com slash earfuel. This episode, I want to give a special shout out to everyone in Southern Australia, Adelaide, Melbourne, even the folks down in Tasmania. I see you. I know you're listening. Glad to have you on board, as I am with everyone who's listening. But this episode, I decided to say a special hello. Anyway, this week, I'm going to be taking a look at the 2018 Rock and Roll Hall of Fame nominees. I'm going to break down who I think should be in, as well as who I think will get in. And of course, we are going to talk about who I think the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame snubbed. But before that, there is a killer album you all need to know about. The album I'm going to talk about today is by a group called Leclerc. I hope I'm saying it right. It's L-apostrophe-E-C-L-A-I-R. The album is called Polymood. If I had to sum up this record in a single word, that word would probably be cool. Everything about Polymood oozes cool. The patent-pending Swiss grooves will hook you instantly, and they're going to have you dancing wherever you might be. If you're in your car, if you're on the beach, if you're on your back porch, if you're sitting in a chair at work, your butt is gone groove. It's just the way that this band moves as a single unit. I mean, it's, it's awe-inspiring, and in almost a punk rock sort of way, there's not a note without a very clear purpose. These songs are completely devoid of any filler in any way, and the excellence of these musicians quickly coagulates into this dusky celebration that's impossible not to love. Now, I will admit, I knew nothing about this band before I listened to the record, but within the first two minutes, I'd already forwarded a link to, I mean, a lot of my friends. It is that good, and it's going to get you that quickly. Polymood sits somewhere between Afrobeat, jazz, funk, soul, psychedelic, even electronic influences. There's so much going on here, and Leclerc brings a sound and a groove that perfectly fits the term wonderfully unique. That is exactly what they are. It's just one of those albums you're going to love turning people onto, and it's the ideal soundtrack from everything from a long drive to a gathering of friends to relaxing on the back porch. I mean, this is just a great album. Polymood is unquestionably one of the best records to come out in 2018. So head over to Leclerc, that's L-E-C-L-A-I-R-B-B-I-B.bandcamp.com or Google it or check it out. I've posted it on Facebook, Instagram, the whole nine. Put your ears on it. Thank me later. Moving on. The 2018 Rock and Roll Hall of Fame nominations have been released, and as they do every year, they have ignited quite a bit of conversation. So today, I will discuss who I think should be in from the list, but before that, let's talk about the big snubs because it's just, uh, it's more fun. It's kind of like, it's kind of like when an airplane takes off and it burns all of that fuel before it gets to cruising altitude. The snubs here is going to help me burn that fuel before we talk about the actual list. So before I even get to that, though, I want to lay out one point of I want to lay out two points of clarity, maybe three. We'll see. But but I want to clear something up before we even start this conversation. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as a name has become more than a bit misleading. It just has. 
even from the very beginning, actually, I mean, it recognized genres outside of rock, you know, jazz, blues, funk, more recently, hip hop, punk, a little bit of metal. So it's more than a rock and roll exclusive hall of fame. I, I want that to go unspoken throughout the discussion today because people who try and knock someone off the list simply because they're quote unquote not rock music. I mean, it's a tired argument. It's an irrelevant argument. So we've got that settled. The other point I want to make at the top might be even more important when it comes to who's actually going to get into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but I think most people overlook it. Ratings. I would love to say that the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is all about enshrining the most deserving artists, but we know that's not true. The Rock Hall is trying to get people in the door of the museum back in Cleveland, as well as getting folks to tune in for the television broadcast. I mean, that's the big point. The most deserving artists might not be the ones who are going to sell tickets and who are going to get people to actually watch the induction ceremony. So you need to look at the induction very much through that lens. Which artists are going to yield good press and good ratings? I really wish it were otherwise, but reality says it's not. So I guess it was only two points. It's more than rock and roll. We're talking about ratings. Got it? Good. This year's nominees, in case you missed them, in the order that I'm going to read them. I think this is probably some sort of alphabetical order. I don't know. I took it off the Rock Hall's website. Anyway, Def Leppard, Devo, Janet Jackson, John Prine, Kraftwerk, LL Cool J. This is definitely alphabetical order. The MC5, Radiohead, Rage Against the Machine, Roxy Music, Stevie Nicks, The Cure, Todd Rundgren, Rufus with Chaka Khan, and The Zombies. So like I said, we're going to discuss them all in a bit because we want to talk about the top snubs. And believe me, I have a massive list, like hundreds of artists who should be in, but I've called it down to, well, the big ones and the ones I really want to talk about. And at the very top, the very top of my list that I cannot believe are still not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is a little band called Motorhead. To me, this is one of the most offensive and longest-running snubs in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I mean, Motorhead has been eligible for more than 15 years. They've won Grammys, they've sold more than 15 million records, and, you know, Lemmy. There are few bands as critically influential to heavy metal, punk, hardcore, even more straightforward rock and roll than Motorhead. Their sound, their speed, their style, their attitude, and, you know, Lemmy. There's just no excuse for this continued snub. Motorhead more than deserves their due, but the Rock Hall nomination folks have never seemed too keen on any heavy metal that isn't Metallica or Black Sabbath. <clears throat> Slayer. <clears throat> Sorry, I had something really pissed off in my throat. Anyway, <sighs> but you know what? Let's talk about another genre the Rock Hall can't seem to grasp. Because the hall is also overlooking one of the essential creators of style and sound. That style and sound is ambient music, and that person is, of course, Brian Eno. I do find it amusing that Roxy Music is nominated, and U2 has already been recognized by the Rock Hall, with both bands owing much of their career to Eno's work. But at the same time, he basically invented the entire concept and framework of ambient music. Music for airports remains the high watermark in the genre, and even four decades after he set out, his most recent release, it came out this year, it's called The Ship, it topped the electronic charts this year, and with good reason, it's phenomenal, 
The guy is as relevant as ever. And as I'm saying it, I think Music for Airports is going to be this episode's listening assignment because I really want to go listen to that record right now. But anyway, if you don't know Brian Eno, along with being an absolutely brilliant originator of style, he produced the Talking Heads, he produced Bowie. I mean, you name it. He is one of the most important figures in all of rock history, but the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame seems to pretend he never existed. Brian Eno should be on the list and in the Rock Hall. Let's grab a more recent artist that has certainly blazed their own path. There's this one performer who has sold more than 15 million records, that's a lot, won an Academy Award for Best Song from a Film, gotten Grammy nods every single year for a decade straight almost, and has done it all whilst managing to create music like absolutely nobody else in history. Do you know who those accolades belong to? 15 million albums, won a Grammy, got nominated for Grammys every year for, I think I think it was actually seven years. Nobody makes music like this person. Any guesses? No? Bjork. You may call her Bjork, but it's actually pronounced Bjork. It rhymes with work. We all know it is really tough for some reason for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame to induct women, but someone as uniquely brilliant as Bjork, doubly so. She had hits or hit, well, she had two, But more importantly, she has released music that's influenced nearly every corner of the sonic spectrum. I mean, you have people in indie rock looking at her. You have people in electronic. I mean, Death Grips sampled her. She's really touched every part of the sonic spectrum. I could go on for days about why she is more than deserving. I really could, and I'd like to, but I won't. She's one of my probably top five favorite artists of all time, but she should be in there well before just some other generic rock band like, I don't know, Bon Jovi or so many others. Bjork, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, make it happen. That would be an incredible speech and performance. I'll induct her if they need somebody to do it. Very quickly, neither Sonic Youth nor the Pixies are in the Rock Hall. The entire late 80s and 90s rock movement was built on their backs, their innovators of style, but... I get the feeling that the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame will never recognize either of them. Just something about it. You know, it's wrong. Uh, Other notable snubs, John Coltrane. Yeah, Miles Davis is in, but for some reason, John Coltrane is not. Makes no sense. King Crimson. Yeah, King Crimson is not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Wrap your head around that one. Nick Drake, Television, T-Rex, Kate Bush, Nick Cave, I'm just going to stop there. There are so many artists who deserve to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Hit me up and tell me who's the number one artist you're most frustrated with. Facebook.com slash The Daily Guru. Go on Instagram under EarFuel. So let's get that out of the way and look at the acts that are actually nominated this year. To me, they break down into three simple categories. The shoe-ins, the hell knows, and then there's a couple that are on the fence. And a quick reminder... Five acts get in this year. There were 15 nominees, so two-thirds of these are going to have to go. So let's begin by knocking the easiest three off of the list of 15, the low-hanging fruit, if you will. I'm not trying to slam any of these groups, but when I look at the list of 15, these three, as soon as I saw them, was like, yeah, no way. The first of those is Rufus featuring Chaka Khan. They shouldn't even be on this list. I know Chaka Mad, but I'm sorry. They are completely out of place. No way they get in. Another person who has no chance of getting in is John Prine. Now, I will say I was happily shocked to see his name on the list, as he is certainly deserving, but I don't think he has the name recognition. In fact, I almost know he doesn't have the name recognition, and I wonder how many voting members of the Rock Hall actually know his greatness well enough. 
So sorry, John Prine, not your year. The third easy out is the zombies. I'm not saying they don't deserve it. I think they missed their window. Let's just go ahead and induct time of the season as a song and move on. Three down, 12 to go. My first pick who gets into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is actually the easy one on the list. It's the very obvious one. It's Def Leppard. While I am not a big fan of the band, they tick all the necessary boxes. They're certainly deserving of the honor. And there's really no other straightforward rock and roll band on the list this year. So for no other reason, I think they get in without any problem whatsoever. Now, wait, wait, don't stop. I know you're, you're writing the email right now and you're saying, Joel, what are you thinking? Uh, isn't Radiohead a straightforward rock band? No, they're not. No, no, they're, they're Radiohead. I see them as art rock or maybe even alt rock. I mean, they're, they're Radiohead. Again, not a band I'm a massive fan of outside of OK Computer, and I'm in no way saying they don't deserve to be enshrined, but I don't think this is their year. Let me tell you why. You see, Radiohead, when they get in, are going to be a headlining inductee. They're going to be the big band of that year. They're the ones who are going to draw the viewers. They're the ones who are going to put people in seats at the actual induction ceremony. And with the other nominated artists this year, the Rock Hall doesn't need them. I know that sounds really crappy, but they don't need them. They're going to be saved for one of the inevitable weaker classes a few years down the line. So Radiohead is out for me this year, which I suppose raises the question of who exactly is that big band that's going to draw in the viewers this year? Good question. I firmly believe that the biggest story of the next Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction ceremony will be Rage Against the Machine. Will they show up? Will they play? Will they destroy the stage? You can write for days about this stuff, and nobody is going to argue their credentials for induction. Whether it's record sales, influence, originality, sheer musicianship, Rage will stand as one of the most important and original bands in all of music history, and I think they get their nod from the Rock Hall this year. Will they take it? Uh, I doubt it. Maybe Tom Morello shows up to, you know, drop some knowledge, but I just don't see that band attending the biggest event The Machine can possibly produce. So let's see here. Let me look at my math. That is two in, five out, five out. Yeah, five out. So for those keeping track, we still have to look at Janet Jackson, Stevie Nicks, The Cure, Devo, LL Cool J, Kraftwerk, Roxy Music, Todd Rundgren, and the MC5. Oh, wait, hold on. That's easy. The MC5 are so not getting into the Rock Hall. I think their nomination was kind of a sympathy nod to try and shut up people like me I mean, the MC5 are one of the building blocks of punk and hard rock, but there is no way in hell that the Rock Hall is going to let Wayne Kramer anywhere near an open microphone. I'd love to see it. It's not going to happen. They deserve to be in, but again, it's not happening. Now, I mentioned Roxy Music earlier when I was talking about Brian Eno. I'm pretty sure I did. If I didn't, Roxy Music, Brian Eno, very obvious connections, and they are another band I don't think makes the cut. Now, I really enjoy a few of their albums, and they certainly tick the influence box. However, I just don't think they get in. It's not a slam on the band at all. But see, there's, there's just something about the nominees this year that tells me Roxy Music is going to be the group left out in the cold, and a lot of people are going to be writing about. That is the controversial you don't get in for this year. Speaking of cold... <sighs> There's no transition there. So uh, let me just discuss the coin flip I see on this year. That is to say, I think there are two bands 
that have similar credentials, though very dissimilar music, and I think one of them gets in, but I really don't think they both get in. The bands on this one, The Cure and Devo, the latter being a band I adore. Like I said, their overall resumes to me are pretty comparable, and they both address kind of that indie, cool, hipster almost type of audience. Personally, I think Devo are worlds more important in terms of creativity, but I mean, I guess I get people making their case for the cure. Sure, that's fine. Regardless, one of these bands gets in, not both. Go, 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 Devo. So there's only two more spots on my list of who's getting in, so let's knock out another artist I don't think is getting in, Todd Rundgren. To be honest, I don't know if he's ever going to get into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I just, I don't know, maybe his chance has passed? I, I just, I don't think he has the pull or the relevancy to the younger generations. I know a lot of people are going to really hate me for making that statement, but I think it's true. And, wow, you know, I know the sentence that's going to come out of my mouth. I'm just going to let it happen. I don't see anything so special or unique about his career that pushes him above the others. I'm sorry. It's just that simple to me. His music is good, but I don't think he's Rock and Roll Hall of Fame caliber. Sorry. He's out. Hate me all you want. And then there were four. Kraftwerk, LL Cool J, Stevie Nicks, and Janet. Miss Jackson, if you're nasty. And yeah, Janet is absolutely getting into the Rock Hall this year. Her record sales and influence overshadow damn near every other nominee on the list. She's also had quite a year or two in popular music as well. She brings a different style than the other inductees. And seeing as there are only two women on the list of nominees, I mean, not putting Janet in, if nothing less, would be really bad PR for the Rock Hall. Think about it. Her dance style was revolutionary, and man, did she have a string of killer singles and records. I still play them. There's only one Janet, and she damn well deserves to be in the Rock Hall. So of the three remaining, there is one I enjoy far more than the other two, and sadly, I don't think they're the group that's going to make it in. The artist in question was beyond revolutionary, remains a massive touchstone in their genre of choice, but... I don't see Kraftwerk getting into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. The Man Machine is a truly legendary record, as I mean, is most of their catalog, and it's easy to make the case that they're one of the three or four most important groups in the progression of electronic and avant music. But, you know, I think this for me is just a case where I don't think they're going to get enough votes. I, I wish they would, but I seriously doubt it. So that leaves us with the final two nominees and the final spot. Sadly, this is a case of the artist I want to get in versus the artist I believe ultimately will get in. And anyone who knows my feelings on Fleetwood Mac or has been listening to the podcast, you know where I'm heading here. Elo Cool J is one of the most important early MCs. He just is. He defined a style both musically in terms of image, his attitude, his sound, his rhymes. I mean, he's LL and he's persevered through almost every shift in hip hop over the past few decades. He has so many classic singles and there's not an MC who came after him that can honestly say LL wasn't an influence on them in one way or another. He is a true OG and he's one of the best ever come out of the world of hip hop. Stevie Nicks is, <sighs> she's going to get in. I mean, I'm choking back vomit here, but I mean, I know it's true. There's just no way the Rock Hall is not going to put her in. We already suffered through Fleetwood Mac's induction 20 years ago. Wasn't that enough? Attempting to be... Okay, hold on. Attempting to be purely objective about it, which is really difficult because, oh, do I hate Stevie Nicks. 
she just doesn't measure up if we only look at her solo work. Just look at her solo work. Forget about Fleetwood Mac. Only look at the Stevie Nicks solo catalog. If you compare it to other solo artists from big bands who were inducted, you know what names she has to duel with? Lou Reed, Paul McCartney, George Harrison. Yeah, that level of talent. And I'm sorry, Stevie Nicks is not in the same universe as them. It might sound mean, my wife might hate me because she loves Stevie Nicks, but she just doesn't deserve to get in. But she will. Ugh, God, I hated saying that. So my five picks for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame are Def Leppard, Rage Against the Machine, Janet Jackson, The Cure or Devo, and Stevie Nicks. But let's remember that getting inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame means kind of nothing. I mean, it's almost purely subjective. And when you think about it, what other art form is there a Hall of Fame for? Museums make sense. And you know what? I'm going to let Eddie Vedder make my point because he did it much better in one quick sentence back at the 1993 VMAs. We're a group, and uh, I guess it was a video. I don't know how you could say uh, it was the best. It's just a little piece of art. You can't really uh, put art into a competition, you know? But uh... So who do you think is going to make it in from this year's nominations? Hit me up at facebook.com slash thedailyguru and let me know. Now, before we wrap the episode, I do, of course, have your Ear Fuel listening assignment. For those of you new to things here, each episode, I assign an album to listen to in full, beginning to end, without any distractions or interruptions, and it stems from the fact that these days, music has become relegated to a background task for most people. You're at the gym, you're on the subway, you're sitting at work, whatever, and this is about taking some time each week to consciously listen to music for the sake of the music alone. And this time around, as I mentioned earlier, your listening assignment is Brian Eno's groundbreaking 1978 album, Ambient One, Music for Airports. This record is just four tracks, two per side, and it was originally conceived to be a sound installation at an airport, as in the music that they're playing at the airport. And the music was put together to try and kind of defuse the tense and anxious atmospheres of airports. And that is certainly still true today, just as it was 40 years ago when this album was conceived. Like I said, this is a groundbreaking record and really the first formal ambient record. I mean, there were albums and recordings before that were mellow and could definitely be classified similarly. But music for airports is where you first see the style by name being used formally. Now, when he conceived this record, his original intent was to have the album be looped continuously and sort of become, what did he call it? I think he said he wanted the album to be as ignorable as it was interesting. And I suppose you can kind of see that as the very essence of properly done background music, where you can sort of fade in and out of consciously listening. But even if you're not, it's still working. It's magic. It's a really cool concept. And personally, as far as I'm concerned, he succeeded. I often listen to this record very actively because I really enjoy it. But at the same time, there are many morning commutes on the New York City subways where this is in my ears and the calming effect definitely works. And at the same time, you know, I can read if I want to or not. It is a very cool piece of music, as is the entire ambient series that he did. But music for airports is definitely a special one. To tell you the truth, I feel like to fully appreciate the brilliance of the album and really what it can do, 
you need to listen to it in different environments and see how you respond to each one. It's, it's really cool in that way. Trust me. The bottom line is music for airports remains a massive touchstone for a number of genres. It's absolute genius. And if somehow you don't already know it, you need to change that right now. Thank me later. So that's all for this episode. Find me at facebook.com slash the daily guru. If you're on Instagram, I am there under EarFuel. And uh, tell me what you've been spinning lately. That's it for this edition of EarFuel. Share and enjoy. Enjoy.